Singapore-based Studio Juju was established by Timo Wong and Priscilla Loy. Founded in 2009, the firm works across disciplines in areas as wide-ranging as furniture and industrial design and research and conceptual work. In this episode, Susie Anetta, the editor-in-chief of Design Anthology, meets the two for a conversation in Singapore. This is the Design Dialogues. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. My pleasure. It's our pleasure, yeah. Uh, So I thought I would go back to the very beginning of your careers, perhaps even before launching your career and uh, actually when you started studying. So if you could tell us a little bit about what inspired you to follow a path to studying design and maybe where you studied. Timo, do you want to start? I'm... uh Someone who couldn't sit still. I, I mean, kids are just playing a lot. And uh, when I enter school, I don't really like subjects that are written. So I'm always very into the art subject. So most of the time, I'm like making things, drawings. And I, I found this interest in, uh, in art when I, when I was in primary school, like six, seven years old. And um, the, the interest in drawing and painting was um, apparent when I was young. So as I progress over the years in my education, um, it's just a natural progression that um, the kind of things that I enjoy doing in school, it's always things that are not written. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, apart from like languages, um, my, my interest is always in arts, in things that uh, you have to make or create with your hands. So, so kind of a natural progression that over the years as I progressed in the educa- tertiary education, I went into a, a school, a design school. Um, it, was also, it was also, everything was just like, everything fell into place. Um, I didn't do very well in school, but uh, I did very well for art subjects. And uh, somehow I just managed to go into a, a art, uh, in a design related um, uh, course. Uh, on a diploma level and uh, it was through the diploma um, studies that I actually uh, found my real interest in product design uh, the people that I met I talked to and um, that's where I met um, Patrick Chia uh, during that time I was, it w- I was very young he was a lecturer so it was just like things kind of fall into place the people that I meet uh, I was introduced to design and um, Somehow, I, it became very clear that what I want to do is um, something artistic, but a uh, functional purpose-driven kind of uh, application, which is industrial design. It's basically applied arts. Yeah. So, so that kind of um, propelled me to, to know exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Mm. And what, are you, what about you, Priscilla? Mm, so I think I was about four or five years old and then um, my mother brought me to for art classes. It was just for fun so that she had some time on her own and then I would be occupied with art class. But I think that was when I really have uh, some interest. I can sit down, I can focus. 
And when I get into um, junior school, primary school, I really had this uh, interest in art lessons and I discovered that I can be good in it. Uh, but in secondary school, I was in sciences. So, so by the end of uh, 16 years old, I was doing really badly in my sciences. I do not know why I'm inside my science class. I was failing all my science lessons and my math lessons classes. So, so that I discovered that I, I thought that I'm going to do really badly in my O levels, and I thought that okay, what's a what's a good backup plan? And I thought maybe I'll enter an art school after college, after secondary school. But surprisingly, I, I did well enough to get into college. And uh, in college, that's when I I decided to pursue something that I think uh, I like and uh, can be good in. That's why I decided to take art and humanities in uh, college. And that's when I, I really like it. And I, I found a very good art mentor back in college. And he, he brought me to exhibitions. He brought me to see design. And, and that's when you know, I, I understand that art can be applied into a discipline called design. And I decided that I really want to do this. And um, that's how I got into design. That's so interesting. I, I think it's quite a common thread amongst the conversations that I have with designers that mm. not necessarily academically motivated, yeah. very creative, but still want to do something that's quite practical. So, mm. yeah, it's interesting. And so the two of you are quite special in a way. Obviously, the, the work that you produce, but your partners in life as well as in the studio. And I believe that you met while at the NUS Design Incubation Program through Patrick Patrick Chia, sorry. Um, I'm curious to hear a little bit about what you were working on during the time that you were at the incubation program when you first met. What kind of projects or materials were you exploring? So the, the program is, is actually a, an actual workplace. So it's, a, it's called a design incubation centre. Then, uh, So after graduating, I, I, I moved on uh, I joined the center as a designer and uh, Patricia came on board as design director. And at that moment, we were exploring, uh, very focused on material-driven projects. So we, we had the workshop capabilities, we have um, big machines, and we have uh, ability to collaborate with um, suppliers, material suppliers like Korean, um, wood, and and I think at that moment, we wanted to really focus on exploring uh, a series of uh, projects that are material-driven. Uh, then uh, when Patrick came in, um, in that first year, I think um, we, we worked on a collection called Objects Around the Tablescape. And um, that collection was exhibited in Mazon Object. And uh, it was a series of tabletop objects that explore forms and new ways of working with uh, production processes to create new forms, refreshing forms, to that kind of uh, re revitalize the the idea of what is uh, object. Yeah, that's interesting. And I I think if I'm correct, I read that you presented together in Milan after graduating from the incubation program, is that right? Yeah, so during the, our time in uh, uh, incubation center, we, we were encouraged by Patrick 
to to do something like a extra curriculum activity out of um, our usual work so he was suggesting that maybe we can uh, take part in the Milan Fair mm. uh, in Saloni Satellite so we were thinking that you know why not since she's encouraging us to do so and um, we, we were in the beginning thinking of sharing a booth space uh, called uh, Timo and Priscilla <laughs> Louis <laughs> and then we we're just like okay let's split the booth into half uh, you will design and prototype something on your own and I will and then we just share a booth space and then we were just um, sitting on a, a bench in, in, in NUS one day and Patrick walked past and uh, was just like checking out what we were doing so he suggested that why don't you just start a studio together and you know exhibit as one studio such that the work could be more uh distinct and homogeneous as one entity and there is a stronger reason why all the prototypes or design pieces come together in the booth and uh, we just went along with it <laughs> so at, at that point of, at the point of our at that point of time in our life everything goes everything works we were just very fluid with uh, the way we think about what design is whatever advice that Patrick gives you will just take it and then let's just do it so it's almost like a very naive kind of attitude, which is uh, positively uh, naive uh, that we don't think so much about, you know, what's going to stop us and, you know, what, you know, what has been done, what is not. We just do it. So there's like a lot of energy and synergy between the, the way we worked. Mm. Yeah. Oh, to be young again. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes yeah, we just carefree. want to be a little bit more naive in the sense that we don't care so much about you know what's right or wrong mm. and it's a very emotional kind of um, uh, approach towards uh, what we do but uh, of course over the years as anyone mature <laughs> you start to think about you know the pros and cons of everything yeah. yeah so I guess that leads me to my next question which is how would you say your work has changed since then. So the first time that you presented work together as a duo, mm. how long ago was that? I think it was about 11 years. 12 years? Okay, okay. 12 years 12 ago. Years. And so yeah. how would you describe the change or the evolution in your work as a studio since then? I think when we first started, um, we do have, uh, when we design, we have some kind of production in mind, of course, but that's also because um, we are very hands-on uh, within ourselves uh, inside the workshop. So, so we are hands-on in the workshop and we are able to craft and work on our pieces and uh, with an idea of how the production um, cycle is like outside. So. And at that time, we are very much informed with what we can do within the workshop, within the machine. But, and now fast forward, perhaps uh, now 12 years later, uh, we are considering more of how to work with the people that's outside of our own workshop, but really people who run their own workshops. And people who run their own workshops, when we work with, in a way, a commercial production, we have to be more sensitive to time taken to make an object. What are their constraints, challenges? What, what material do they have inside their workshop? And if they do not have what I need, what does that mean? Do, I have, do they have to bring in something new or, or not? Or do I change my design? So 
previously, I think when we first started going out to Salone Satellite to show, very often is the constraints that we have, the challenges that we are challenging is within ourselves. Uh, our own ability inside our own workshop at the Design Incubation Center because we were making a lot of things inside the Design Incubation Center workshop. Yeah. I, I guess we, we, we are very informed uh, in, in a way we, we are quite artistic in the sense that when we begin on a project we think about the form we are, of course we function and uh, a lot of time the design stage goes straight into production how to realise and make the pieces that we have designed and um, right right from the beginning where we were starting to work together uh, most of the time we are always thinking about how do we make this piece or how do we make uh, prototype uh, a sketch and what kind of processes and what kind of material and a lot of time the development of the design the, the finished product it's always a, a very distilled, distilled um, piece whereby we try to refine the way how it's being made and result in a certain design quality or details. And uh, I think how we have evolved over the years, um, I think we are still pretty much like this in terms of um, the way we look at design. Um, every time we you know, draw something or we, we have an idea, we think about how to make it. And because of that, I feel that we have a lot of control over how the design would uh, develop or evolved yeah because we have so much control in knowing what what can be done and how we should make it and I think what would have what has actually matured is like what Priscilla has said we are beginning to think beyond just about you know uh, what we could use to make it but more like the constraint or the capability of um, um, the factory has or the client has and to empathize with um, you know the potential or trying to um, kind of exploit the capability that the client actually has uh, to think beyond you know what what's just available I think we have kind of evolved to this stage whereby we are very mature to work with people that understand their constraint yeah that's really interesting um, I'm going to come back to that whole subject of collaborating and perhaps materiality in a moment but I, I just want to ask you one more question about Milan because you know we're at hopefully the tail end of COVID we are seeing now a return of international events and we're speaking at the very end of Singapore Design Week for the first time in you know two years the event's been held. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts uh, about the importance of being present at an event like Milan or just the importance of an event full stop like Milan and maybe even further to that, whether you think that changes being someone who's practising outside of Europe, do you think that, that makes it even more important or does that not, not have any further effect? I think at the beginning of our career, being at a satellite was uh, important for us um, and... Um, we showed there uh, for three years, from 2009, 2010, and 2011. And I think with the first exhibition that we showed there, with a range of products, um, we are amongst um, a very inter an international group of young designers. The, the vibe is strong, very positive, very happy. Everyone is showing and excited to meet people. Uh, to meet the press, to meet brand editors, and 
And I think, and that, and in a way, we got our break from there because we got published in our magazines, and we have uh, wallpaper publishing our project. And because of that, Living Divani uh, worked with us for one of our design, and uh, even Di Salto also actually uh, worked with us for one design. And and I think that was uh, interesting because it was at that moment when we were showing and then we got to meet new people and we get to have this kind of uh, collaboration with um, international brands. And yeah, I think it's very important that young designers get out there and and actually meet with the international community. I think what it was the important part was the fact that it is an an exhibition center. It is a it's a place that where the international community all come together. And I think that's where you get a a sense of a c- cultures that are all mixing. We see we see people from Japan, we see people from Colombo, we see people from South America, from America and from Europe. So as someone coming from uh, Singapore, going into that international community, I think it really does open up our our eyes to what is um, design in perhaps every sense of the word yeah. and, and how are designers practicing in that way. Mm. Would you add anything to that, Timo? Mm. Yeah, I think it's uh, quite important for us in the beginning that we we were there to, to show our kind of work and definitely I think there's a variety of um, sensibility and the way how um, the others practice design in their own way um, over the years I, I have learned that there what is important is actually not so much about um, how different you are but it's a lot about where you come from um, because when we I mean, like, like everybody would say, Singapore is a, a very young uh, country. Uh, we are very developed, but design seems to be quite young still. And in terms of a cultural design identity and cultural-wise, we are not as you know, developed as uh, compared to Japan or Europe or you know, any part of the world. So when we, did, when we participate in, in, in a fair like this, we... We tend to think about, you know, what is truly Singaporean design. So, in 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 a way, over the years when we are always visiting Milan, um, that question become more and more apparent. You know, who are we? You know, what kind of design do we do? And uh, to me, that's the most important, um, because end of the day, this comes back to inform us about how we should practice design. Um, not that. The Milan Fair is like a a checkpoint to 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 check with ourselves. You know what? Who are we? You know what do we do? But um, it is a platform to showcase uh, who we are. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the bigger question for for me is you know you know who we re- who we really are, <laughs> and um, how unique are we practicing from Asia, particularly this part of Asia, and uh, to to me to me. That's why I think um, Milan Fair itself is important uh, personally to to understand the world better in terms of design. Therefore, 
we could understand ourselves much better. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that begs a really great question. You've just sort of talked about the identity as being a Singaporean, and you know, maybe what the question of what Singaporean design might be. As you said, it's a relatively young country. Uh, in terms of being an independent nation, um, certainly not culturally, but it, it is young in terms of being a design culture. Yeah. Have I mean, where are you at with that question? Do you have an answer to what Singaporean design is? Is there an aesthetic? Is there a philosophy or a, an approach? Have you you know made any headway in terms of answering that question? I, I guess that question is, it's uh, we don't necessarily have to have an answer. And it's not an answer that you will find, um, you know, in, in what we are doing or someone is doing now. Um, of course, it is uh, collective. It's um, something that you build over a long time. Um, but having that question in mind is important. Yeah. And but not directly trying to find an answer because you don't get that answer overnight. Yeah. Maybe 10 years down the road, you still won't have that answer. But it's important to build uh, content that is driven by your surrounding. Therefore, your practice is actually very true uh, contextually from where, from where you are based in, where you are, uh, the resources that you have, the inspiration that you have. I think that somehow would build a certain culture, a certain identity, or certain identity over time. So I guess that answer, it's in a way not relevant in the next few years actually and um, yeah that's what I think and, and for us we have been practicing in a way that uh, we always been asked this question you know who what kind of design and who we really are and uh, we will always answer like uh, you know we, we don't truly have any baggage culturally we don't have like something that we, we are informed with um, through history I mean, if you look at Japanese design, you have a certain, um, when you look at them, you have a certain um, view or opinion about where the aesthetic came from. It's through many years of craft and design and aesthetic uh, that they are informed by. But for us, it's really a clean slate. There's nothing that we, we have that inform us greatly. Uh, and the good thing about being a Singaporean is because we, we are influenced in all ways the west, the east, you know, everywhere. And we always use the word uh, roja, which means mix up. Yeah. Uh, but I don't find that it's a, a form of our identity. But to me, it's just basically a clean slate which in which we can, um, you know, um, work with and uh, be very free. Uh, it's only until recently that we start thinking about, you know, this whole identity of Singapore design. Uh, but like what, what I say, we are not really in a pursuit to find what it really is. Uh, I guess it's just part of being um, a more mature designer that uh, we think more about this, uh, especially contextually where we are uh, working in the country and the kind of project they're working with, it becomes more important actually. Yeah, the people we work with. Yeah, that's so interesting. I guess yeah. maybe in some ways you have answered that question. I feel like that mm. clean slate and that sense of freedom maybe yeah. that you feel allows you to explore yeah. rather than be contained, I don't know, with a certain use of materials or visual expression. I don't know. Maybe that sort of explains how broad the Singaporean design scene is. Yeah, I guess so. 
Mm. Well, that leads me quite nicely to my question about this new project that you've uh, been working on called New Optimistic Works. And um, I understand it's a collection of work by a number of Singaporean designers. Um, and all of the pieces have been actually made in Singapore as well. And I think for anyone that knows much about Singapore, they'll understand that that's quite remarkable. Um, the work has been on show at the National Design Centre and actually a couple of the pieces were shown also concurrently, I think, or just after at Emerge, which was part of the Fine Design Asia Fair during Design Week. Um, can you maybe just start by telling us how the project came about and what the inspiration was? So COVID happened in uh, 2020 and suddenly we found ourselves not being able to travel that much. And, and then we decided, oh, and we have some projects that have been cancelled as well. So, so uh, and then it gives us quite a bit of time. Um, and during the lockdown that um, that we have, we we were team and I we were just talking and we we're saying that oh um, we're just not sure how long this situation will pan out and and at the same time um, what is that possibility you know of uh, designing something and then making those design in Singapore so so I mean. Obviously, there have been makers industry here in Singapore, and there are people really uh, making things. And uh, and even back in the sixties, the cottage industries in Singapore was um, there. There is a, a cottage industry here in Singapore. We have uh, woodworking, metalworking, um, shoes, leather, and uh, cloth dyeing. But uh, I think gradually over the years, by the eighties. A lot of these cottage industries will just just disappear because because Singapore manufacturing were going towards more high tech and more uh, sophisticated, and at the same time uh, they were encouraged to um, to have foreign investment coming in to set up factories here, and, and then the whole uh, shipyard industries were booming at that time, and suddenly there there's no. Not so much anymore, and and we look at, we have people who are skilled, skillful in um, a certain industries like metalworking, and suddenly there are not that many work, not that many projects anymore. So, so then this group of uh, makers and industries started to just focus on repair, repair works. Uh, at the same time, we do have. Uh, other kinds of industries that are coming up, the hobbyists uh, and people who are making ceramic pieces, people who are making uh, leather works, but and and we do have all these uh, small and scattered industries and people who are making and so 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 at this moment, you know, all these things are happening at the same time, and we are trying to kind of pull them together, hmm? to pull all this together. Yeah, trying to why don't we? some industries together and uh, create a label that have and, and you know learn how to work with these makers how to produce design uh, because it's I mean in Singapore the, the high cost of living and the high cost of resources and operation really really don't don't set up a very encouraging uh, system to, to produce uh, objects and produce uh, 
goods. Um, and, and that's why I think we don't really have such a, a lot of Singapore brands that are just focused on design and make in Singapore. It is, it is probably a lot much better, like, you know, cost efficient to be manufactured in other countries. So, I mean, it was really because of, partly because of COVID. Yeah, and partly because we are already thinking about how can we, you know, design and make in Singapore and really, really uh, through this endeavor, actually think about our own sense of place in the world. So it was really a combination of all these factors. Uh, before, before we embark on this project, we were actually, um, before the COVID came, we were actually making things all over the world. So we already have the idea of um, making a brand, building a brand, um, selling our own design, purely just studio to use design, and then we make them in different country. So we are prototyping things in Portugal, uh, India, and Japan. Um, but when COVID came, things couldn't be done and it, anything just couldn't happen. Uh, we just got like an like a, like a, um, email from the, the factory in India saying that, you know, we don't get oxygen tank. And then we realized that, you know, those are quite essential um, for the hospital. So things like that happened. Uh, shipping couldn't be, you know, couldn't be done. And uh, that, that was one key reason why we switched to producing in Singapore. And I think, I mean, COVID is not a good thing, but um, it kind of steered this project in a way that became more distinct, in a way that uh, we identify these people who can make things in Singapore over a course of a two years period on and off because of the restriction to, to visit the factory. And uh, I, I think the, the motivation to do that is because once you start finding one person who could do something, you know that there is many more who can do this as well. So we went on the footwork to, to visit this factory to speak to these people. And of course, not all are receptive some are not interested because they are already supporting an industry that could uh, come from uh, the building or, or manufacturing that it's you know, much more profitable than to work on you know, making small products. Uh, ultimately, I think this, this, this motivation that we have to want to do this is also because I think the COVID itself gave us this um, experience of not being able to make those things overseas and I think the whole design process is you know cut off so it became important that when we work on this brand the design to making is actually from design to making is actually very tightly knitted in one place geographically and I think that is one of the key reason um, how how design a design culture of uh, designing and making could actually evolved in a sense that uh, we are able to design and make very quickly and because of that there is no you know uh, a, a stretch of time where you you make something you wait for months for prototype to be shipped in and I think that kind of helps to to create a certain design culture in Singapore that designing and making it happens in, in one place and and I think that is what is great about um, places like London designers simply just design and make themselves. There is a lot of um, people who design and make themselves. And I think because of this way of um, um, practice, there is a lot of um, 
uh, that there is a evolution of culture. There's a, a lot of um, quality in design that you could see in one coming from one place. So I guess that builds something important, which um, we realize as we are working on this project. Yeah. yeah, that's so interesting. I'm going to come back to some of those crafts and industries in a moment, but. Um, I want to ask you a bit more about who else was involved in the project. So aside from yourselves as Studio Juju and Nathan Yong, who is a name I'm sure that's also relatively well known outside of Singapore, who, who, who were the other designers that were part of the project? And maybe then we can talk about you know, who they were working with in the industries. Okay. Uh, we worked with, apart from uh, Nathan, we worked with Hans Tan, uh, Tiffany Loy, uh, these two designer and Forrest and Will. So the reason why we we approach these uh, few industrial designers, they were formerly trained as industrial designers, is because um, we think that um, these people, with uh, together with ourselves, we understand the whole process of uh, industrial design, where designing and making, um, having a unique perspective in how to execute the design in a production way. Uh, someone who is informed by um, how things are being made in the factory or whether is it some form of craft um, experience of various material. That's why we invited these uh, few designers. And also in these designers, they are design practice. They have very unique um, perspective in the way they would actually run their studio. And they have a unique perspective whereby we thought that um, they could bring into the brand. Like for, for Hans Tan, he has a unique pursuit in, in the way he, he questioned a certain um, a narrative in, in design, um, which is very apparent in his work. And um, Nathan himself, he is, a, he is a man of many, many sides. He is a businessman. He runs a, a, a very established retail store in Singapore. At the same time, he is still working with a furniture brand as well. So he is someone that brings in um, many sides of um, you know how to run a design business, which uh, we find would be unique uh, to work with. And finally, Tiffany, Tiffany Loy, uh, she she's industrial design trained, uh, but over the years she has developed into uh, a certain interest in textile, which is interesting because I I feel that a lot of times uh, when as industrial designers, the designs that we think about or production methods are always very hard, very concrete. And uh, I think Tiffany has a unique perspective in the way she she worked with um, uh, textile also because she's not purely like a fabric textile uh, designer or fashion related kind of uh, designer, but she comes in from an industrial design point of view. So, and Forrest and Will, um, it's quite similar like us. Um, they they, they design furniture and they always question um, how um, a piece of um, design or furniture could emotionally speak to the user end of the day and how um, you know the, the emotional quality of design is important. So that's how we brought together these few designers. Uh, and Singapore is a very small country. Uh, we don't have much option, and, but at the same time, everybody is unique with their own practice. Yeah, so that's how we selected. That's great. And I know that with one of the pieces that you created, 
you collaborated with someone who came from the shipbuilding industry, is that right, with the metalwork or had, the, had shipbuilding skills? Do you want to talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the other crafts people or makers that were involved? A few of the pieces, which is craft and metal, uh, were, we worked with this uh, metal factory for a couple of years. Uh, it's our, they are our usual collaborators for projects. And um, regarding the, the shipbuilding industry, um, a lot of these metal factories, they, they were evolved from a much earlier time where um, a lot of these welders and metal, work, metal workers came from the shipbuilding industry in Singapore. We have a huge shipbuilding industry uh, in the past. Now, we don't have them as much or whether they exist or not, I'm not sure now. Um, but definitely these skilled people, they have evolved in terms of their career to start up new companies whereby they produce metalworks. Uh, they, they, they put their skills to, to good use, uh, applying them to various industry. So a lot of these business owners, they came from this background. And of course, in, in terms of um, skill set, in terms of capability, um, these are the people who are actually still working uh, in the industry uh, but of course um, over the years uh, there are second and third generation um, people who took over and so these skills are actually being passed down um, so some of the pieces that we did were, were done with uh, people um, factories uh, small workshops like this and uh, we, we work with a couple of metal factory and this factory that we work with um, seems to be the best people to work with in terms of having a more artistic way of uh, tre treating the material. So the coat hanger that we did, um, it's actually formed in a way whereby it doesn't um, bend with a, a certain diameter or radius that is technically calculated. It's simply bomb, um, bent with um, a mold that it's uh, hand bent over a certain mold. So every piece is the same because it was controlled by the mold but uh, they are not being calculated uh, through like the bending machine or the rolling, ma the rolling um, machineries. So we don't get much of this way of um, forming of metal in Singapore um, unless you work very closely with them and you develop their method. So this is factory we work with is um, you know, someone that is very reliable and someone that we work with over the years and they are very open to trying to find new methods to to make things and um, ceramic pieces actually when we were starting the starting to explore ceramic we were thinking that you know over the past um, few years there is a lot of ceramic studios in Singapore that is popping up um, there are many hobbies in Singapore who who, who, who picks up um, ceramic as an, a, a weekend hobby or after work kind of hobby and a lot of them had like uh, started to you know run their own studio to do this and we thought that ceramic as material in order to perfect the craft of making there is a need for some kind of production um, mindset whereby you will strive to make uh, many pieces of the same design in order to perfect the skill or the technique of making so, which honestly, from where we are standing as designers looking at this part of the craft, we thought that many, many, many ceramic studios uh, in Singapore 
have not done that, except for a few. So one of these um, ceramic studio that we work with, um, the studio is called Mark Rock Ceramics. So they are quite um, well known in Singapore for producing um, a tea set for the queen uh, who have just passed away um, because she, she came to Singapore and sh they have done quite a lot of production um, pieces and wares for restaurants in Singapore and that seems to be their they are driven by this te technique of production so so naturally we are very attracted to work with people like this yeah so but of course with with any ceramic studio they have a certain uh, capability or certain technique that they are very proud of so um, our our input is to actually challenge them to things they have not made before so that's how we came up with the idea of the dotted um, vessels whereby the dots are all molded by hand and they're all done um, with um, by slab work and then they're all pieced together. So something square and rectilinear is quite different from uh, a round piece that is uh, thrown on the wheel because the way you glaze it, it's all different. Yeah. So that's how we try to challenge some of these makers. Yeah. Mm, that's so interesting. Um, I'm curious to know what's next. I mean, like, have you got a list of materials or makers in Singapore that you're aware of that you'd love to collaborate with? Like, where are you planning to take this project after this? I, I think now for, for the exhibition that we have just uh, done, um, we have worked with quite a few materials, glass, metal, ceramics, um, fabric, metal. We are... At this moment, we are trying to work on this project to discover this capability. Um, however, I think that it's still, we still need some time to refine this production. Um, so over the next, the course of the next few months, we are gonna slowly to begin, begin to launch some of this product. Um, we are taking some time to refine some of this production, um, to, to work the factory, to find a way to set up this production that could be consistent and um, the quality is, is consistent. And we wouldn't you know, produce everything one shot because that's a lot of work. So every few months we will launch something new that is refined and ready to be um, for sale. Yeah, so that's our next step. That sounds exciting. Do you have a platform ready? Because I know when my team was in here looking at uh, <laughs> some of the pieces, we had our eyes on a few of them, particularly the lamp and uh, and the ceramics and the other yeah the other ceramic pieces. Are you planning to sell them on your website, or do you have a retail partner already? We are actually developing a e-commerce platform uh, under New Optimistic Works, and locally we will we might retail them in a few uh, shops in Singapore. Uh, we're trying to start small locally to see the response and making it a little bit difficult for overseas to have them, you know, <laughs> to create that desire. <laughs> but of course, I mean, anyone who wants to buy them could buy them on the e-commerce platform as well. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the new um, approach that we are taking. Um, I mean, it's always the two of us running Studio Juju and now we have New Optimistic Works. It's a purely um, designing and making and selling kind of um, uh, business model altogether. But I think this yeah. project also give us something that is uh, to be adventurous about because once we kind of know how uh, these makers work, what are their 
challenges and what are their opportunities. I think we are we are looking to you know ha- even harness the way they work and find a very optimistic way of working together uh, with all the existing makers and new makers and you know try to explore new forms or or new pieces, new objects or new um, material integration. So I think with new optimistic words is uh, something to encourage us to actually find new things and um, all the all the small little uh, optimism in all the challenges that we face, you know, here, and um, even you know we we can also with the same kind of approach and mentality, we can how can we also think about finding optimism in another another area in another whether it's another material or whether it's another country or is it another uh, uh, platform you know even the the way of selling is uh, is something for us to investigate too at this time mm. because I think it's a uh, it's really quite a whole new world now <laughs> at this moment it certainly is and I think we can all do with a little bit of optimism so <laughs> I think that sounds great um well, I think that sounds like a great place to leave the conversation, even though I think I could chat all day. So I just want to say thank you very much to you both. It's thank been you. a pleasure catching thank up you, after such a long much. time. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yes. Yes. A pleasure hearing all about what you've been working on. So thank okay. you. Thank you. Thank you thank very you. much. Thanks for having us.